are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast we talk about all of Major League Baseball. And thanks so much for making Locked On MLB. Your first listens were available on all free podcast platforms. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you're watching me on YouTube, you can tell right there. You can call me Sully. In today's episode, which is being dropped on the 28th day of October 2021, we're going to be reviewing Game 2 of the World Series as the Astros even things up with the Braves and talk about how this series is not yet finding its personality quite yet. And we salute Todd Burns who was an unsung postseason hero back in 1989. This show is available on YouTube, all the free platforms. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown MLB Pod. Same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully, Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Well, let's do the first segment and just hear from some of the people who have some emotion attached to this game, starting with Lockdown Astros' Eric Heisman, who has some thoughts about the Astros' victory. This is Eric Heisman of the Locked On Astros podcast, and the Astros did it. They took Game 2 of the World Series, and they did so behind Jose Kitty, who understood the assignment. He pitched well. He pitched five innings, and he only allowed the uh, Braves offense to score two runs while the Astros offense scored seven runs. And uh, they did so behind Jose Altuve, who had a big double, a big home run later in the game. And then Jose Siri got the start versus the left-handed pitcher, and he beat out a uh, hit. And then he also had a big um, play where he scored on an error. And so there's so much that happened in this game. So there's so much to look forward to. And the Astros now head to Atlanta. And we'll talk about this and more on tonight's Locked on Astros podcast. Thank you, Eric. And his co-host, H-Town Wheelhouse, was actually at the game. And we're going to talk about the other side. Jake Mastriani of Lockdown Braves has some thoughts of the Braves' loss. The Atlanta Braves dropped game two of the World Series to the Houston Astros by a final score of 7-2. to two, And the World Series is all tied up at one game apiece. Jake Mastriani here from Lockdown Braves. And game two was essentially a reverse of what we saw in game one. Uh, this time the Astros get out to the big lead early and never relinquish. Honestly, the Braves really never threatened in this one. They had a couple of chances early to chip away at that lead, but never really any huge threats. Max Fried wasn't sharp early, but he did settle down and give the offense a chance to get back in it. But tip your cap, Jose Urquidy of the Astros was able to keep the offense of the Braves at bay for the most part. But the big thing for the Braves in this game was the defense, you know, something that they've been great at all year long. A couple of miscues in this game that really allowed the Astros to pull away and prevent a comeback from the Braves. So not something I expect to see going forward in this series, but definitely was out of character for them in this one. But at the end of the day, the Braves take one of two in Houston to begin the series, what they were looking to do coming in. Now they come back home in front of their, their fans looking to go back on top in the series. But check us on over at Locked On Braves. We'll be breaking down everything from game two, going into more detail there. So go check us out at Locked On Braves. We're going to head on over to the Locked On Now's insiders as Daniela Bruce is going to be speaking 
with Major Leaguer for 11 years, Gordon Beckham, who is our Locked On MLB insider. It's this clip from Locked On Now, reviewing Game 2 of the World Series. Welcome to another Locked On MLB Insider Report. Joining me today is our MLB Insider, Gordon Beckham, and we're going to have some instant reaction to Game 2 of the World Series. Gordon, it was another good one, but this time the Astros come out on top. The series is now tied 1-1. Astros won with a final score of 7-2. to What did you like about what you saw from the Astros tonight compared to Game 1? I think the Astros kind of shook off the rust they had in game one, and then they came right back and decided to go mm-hmm. up one nothing in the first inning. Granted, uh, Atlanta answered in the top of the second, but they didn't stop there. They just kept getting runs. And uh, I think that uh, what you saw was the Astros kind of basically picking up the slack from having three days off. I mean, nobody really wants to talk about it, but three days off in baseball world is, is a lot. It's a lot to get on the other side of. And for them to come back in game two and look like they did, they look hungry. I mean, they, they clearly looked like they wanted to answer the bell, answer the call that the Braves basically uh, did in game one. So it's making, uh, making its way to be a very good series, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The Braves, on the other hand, didn't look as energetic or as sharp as they have really throughout this this postseason. Is that something that you noticed as well? The, the thing that stood out to me for the Braves, especially defensively, is how sloppy they were tonight. They, they, they didn't look in sync. They didn't look like they were covering bases. I mean, there was a base hit that scored a run. Um, and Swanson didn't even cover third base, almost looking like he had forgotten that he needed to be there, which is that his, that's his uh, – yeah, that's where he's got to be on a base hit to left field. The third baseman is always going to be in there for the cut. Swanson didn't get over there. Now, Rosario didn't have to throw the ball that he did because the guy was going to probably get to third base, but Swanson did not. He kind of shut down. You could tell the way he uh, was grounding, kind of getting towards third base. He shut down mentally and then was like, oh, I got to get to third base. It was too late. Rosario threw the ball away. Another run scores. Later in the game, Ozzy. Um, Albies on a double play ball possibly could save could have saved a run. Uh, he botches a throw and they end up uh, not getting the double play to end the inning. So those are two runs that it, a five to two ball game is a lot different than a five to, or excuse me a seven to two ball game. And uh, those small things add up. It just didn't look like the Braves were in sync. I mean they just they, they did some uncharacteristic things for them uh, tonight and. Uh, I don't know if it was a lapse of, of judgment or a lapse of just not being ready for the play, uh, but either way, um, there were some mistakes to be had um, in the game that definitely made the game out of reach versus still still kind of in the balance. Gordon, both starting pitchers in Jose Urquidy and Max Freed went five innings, which is something that's going to be very important, not only as it was to game two, but as we move forward in this series. So talk a little bit about both of their performances and what going that five innings is going to mean for both of these bullpens. Yeah, Urquidy did a good job of like getting five innings. He looked great tonight. He kept the Braves mm-hmm. off balance. He kept them off the bases. I mean, did a very good job. Uh, Max Free did just as good of a good job having a bad night. And I, I think a lot of people are going to be like, what do you mean? He gave up six runs. It's like, 
No, uh, he he was able to battle through and give up these runs while saving bullpen. So they really didn't. The Braves did not really use anybody that they consider the guy uh, at the end of the game. You know, I mean, Chavez could probably be in the mix for one of those positions. But either way, um, they didn't use any of their bullpen arms. So they give these guys rest. Right. And so that was important. I guarantee you, Brian Snicker was thinking about that. And he's probably just telling Max Fried, hey, you got to go out there and give us innings. I don't care if we lose this game 15 to one, somehow find a way to give us innings because we've got to get back to Atlanta and not have our bullpen completely spent tonight. So I would say incredible job by Urquidy. I really think it, I mean, a much better job than Max Freed. But when you look on the, like a deeper on the, you know, from the surface of it, Max Freed did a really good job to kind of reset that bullpen. So I think Braves fans should feel good about that. But Urquidy and the rest of the guys in the Astros, they just showed up to play. And I mean, they, they, they showed why they're, probably the favorite in this uh, in this World Series, even after losing game one. Gordon, you mentioned that this series is heading back to Atlanta for game three, and I'm sure that is exactly what the Braves wanted to do, considering that they are undefeated at home during the postseason. So I'd imagine that you think the Astros are going to have to bring their A game plus some if they want to steal one in Atlanta. Yeah, the Braves have been rolling at home, right? I mean, I live here in Atlanta. The 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 feeling is palpable in and around Atlanta. You walk around, guys are asking me questions about like what's going on, what are we going to do, and it's it's kind of interesting because I don't really have a uh, I play for the Braves, but I don't really have a uh, a horse in this race. So um, it's interesting. I think that after Game One, I was like, Braves look really good, you know, but. Going back to Atlanta, they should feel really good because they've what five five and no last uh, five they played in uh, in Truist Park. I think that there's an interesting like uh, it's just palpable what's going on in the city. I mean, listen, they haven't won a World Series since 1995, and they've always kind of been in the mix. I mean, there was a there's a stretch there even when I played for the Braves, they weren't in contention, but. Now they're kind of in the mix, and so you can you can just feel people in and around the city of Atlanta just feel like this is our year. It's kind of a weird year to be because there's no nobody was saying, "Hey, the Braves are going to win it." Um, but now they're all of a sudden, you know, they're they're sneaking around and doing that. But they've got to get past a Houston team that is legitimate, and they're legitimate not only on the mound. Their 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 lineup is so good, and now the Braves don't have the kind of element of surprise. I always think that like when you have that many games off. When you have three days off and then you play, so it's almost four days since you've played a real live game, it takes a little bit of time. Well, the Astros showed up and answered the bell, and so they're right back where they need to be. Now it's just a regular off day and back playing. So I think that what you're going to see is an Astros team that's going to be tough to beat. Um, I don't know if they'll buck the trend in Atlanta, but it wouldn't shock me if they did. How exactly do you think the Braves have to respond in this situation? Same way they've responded all postseason. I mean, just every time they've gotten hit in the mouth, they basically just come right back and 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 did some hitting of their own. So, yeah. it, you know, somebody punches them, they're punching right back. And I think that's the, been the thing. So what I would key on if you're watching this game, um, you know, on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, especially Friday, is it, number one, the weather is going to be cold. It's going to be 55 degrees and 15 mile per hour winds. Houston's not used to it. The Braves are not used to it. So that's something that's going to play a factor uh, in that game. But also, if you see that the Braves punch back really early, I think that's a really good sign if you're a Braves fan. If you see the Astros go up without a Braves answer real real quick, you should be worried uh, moving into game four if you're a Braves fan. Because basically, the, the, uh, the Astros are 
they're they're no joke. I mean, they know how to hit. They know how to go out and compete. They've been here. They have the the veteran presence in the playoffs. They've done been here. They've done that. The Braves are kind of you know unproven in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of people here in Atlanta I know that feel like they're going to do it. Gordon, I couldn't help but smile that whole time. I know that you spent some time in Detroit as well. And when you said it's going to be cold, it's going to be 55. I was like, I was expecting you to say like 30 or something. You know? Hey, the, hey, the, the wind chill <laughs> is going to be a real deal. I mean, All I'm right, telling you, I it's know, supposed to be 15 mile, mile per hour. hour. Yeah. I remember in 2019, we opened the season and it was 33 degrees. It took nothing away from Chicago and we'd open that season. Um, but I'm telling you, uh, this is not that, but it is going to be cool you. when these guys are not used to it. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. It's just, it, it's funny. And I, I just remember Miguel Cabrera hitting his first home run this season in, in the, the snow. snow and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's great though, but it is definitely going to be a factor. I totally agree with you there, especially being Houston in Atlanta. You're not used to the cold weather. Like that. They're, they're not, yeah, they're not, you're not, you're not, they're not tough. Like the Tigers and the White Sox. Yeah. I know all about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's take a look for the, the last question, Gordon, at the pitching matchup that we're expecting to see in game three. Luis Garcia on the mound for the Astros and Ian Anderson on the mound for the Braves. Who do you like in that matchup? Yeah, Garcia has been really good. I feel like he's just yeah. uh, I've watched him in the in the regular season, too. He's got some stuff. He's got great hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so does so does Ian Anderson, although he looks like Marv from uh, Home Alone. So um, I don't know who's going to be uh, winning. If it was Christmas, I would say it's definitely going to be the Braves because of Ian Anderson and mm-hmm. uh, his look. But I, listen, at the end of the day, uh, Garcia is really good. And Ian Anderson is, too. I think you give the edge to Garcia because of what his stuff is. Mm-hmm. It's just better than Ian Anderson's. But Ian Anderson knows how to pitch, So, and it's in his own park. He struggled a little bit um, when – when they played the Dodgers at home the first time, and then he kind of rebounded the second time. So I think that when when you're doing that, he's kind of learning from his mistakes. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, he comes out and does. But I think that he'll 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 that I think they'll both have good games. I think this will be a low scoring game mm-hmm. on Friday, and uh, just one or two things defensively or offensively are going to get this thing done. It really is shaping up to be a great World Series, Gordon. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me tonight and recap that game too. Of course. Great to see you, Danielle. Yes, great to see you and all of you. There will be more to come later this week as this series heads to Atlanta. And for everything you need to know from both teams, stay tuned to Locked On Astros and Locked On Braves. For all of you, more coming later this week when the series shifts to Atlanta. And for everything you need to know up until then, make sure you stay tuned to Locked On Astros and Locked On Braves. I'm Daniela Bruce. He's Gordon Beckham. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back with more Locked On, your team every day. All right, so that was some of the insider look at this, well, you know, kind of pedestrian game two of the World Series. Now, both of these teams look like they're in, well, they should feel pretty good that it's not going to be a sweep, but I think both teams need to take a good long look at themselves. If they want to be the ones to win this, they may have to do a little bit of tinkering, and some have to do a little tinkering with the actual roster, you know, a little like pop in the hood and try to figure out what's wrong. Kind of like when you go to rock auto and, you know, when you think about all the increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or sometimes intimidating questions and wait for the person behind the counter to order the parts on the computer. 
choosing the only brand names that the warehouse happens to carry. You have computers and access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need are at rockauto.com. And once again, thanks for making Locked On MLB your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So, yeah, this is two games into this World Series, and... You know, one thing is clear is that it seems to be pretty evenly matched. We've played two games and had two eerily similar games. You know, you had, uh, you know, Brantley, if there's an MVP candidate early, it looks like it could be Michael Brantley, who just seems to get all the hits at the right time. You know, Altuve obviously had a very good game last night and um, or this evening, and Urquidy pitched well enough and, Christian Javier pitched well enough, and you know Max Fried looked really bad the first few innings, but then gave them some length so that they completely burned through the bullpen, and they have a day off on Thursday. There just doesn't seem to be a plot twist in either one of these games. You have, if you look at a baseball game as a first act, second act, third act, the first act is the first three innings where you kind of see where things set up the middle innings as we see where the game is turning and then the final three innings would be the final act which is down the wire and we see what happens well in both of these games they were over in the first act you know the first three innings the Braves jumped out to a big lead in game one held on to it Astros jumped out to a big lead in game two held on to it H-Town Wheelhouse was at the game. I'm sure he had fun. People looked like they were having a blast. But there was no twist. There was no turns. Was there ever really a point? I mean, the Braves got some hits here and there, but there was never that rally. The Astros never really had that rally in game one. The Braves didn't really have that rally in game two. And this series doesn't really have a personality yet. Now, some may point to the fact that you know you're not, this is not going to be a starting pitcher series, so there's not going to be a real sense of that. But you know what? It, it, so far, it kind of reminds me of the 1997 World Series, and that was the Indians versus the at the time they're called the Florida Marlins. And the first game, the Marlins jumped out to a big lead, held on and won. Second game, the Indians did the same, and you had two games that were not exactly thrilling sort of setting the series back up when they went to Cleveland. Now, the thing is, is that that series had a unbelievably great finale. Game 7 of the 1997 World Series is one of the classic World Series games of all time. I have no compunction saying that because it was a back-and-forth game where a team went into the bottom of the ninth inning behind, and that team went on to win the World Series. Anytime that happens in a game seven, and it wasn't a blowout or a particularly sloppy game, even though a big error by Tony Fernandez was a a huge factor of that game. 
uh, it kind of redeemed the series. Sometimes when you have a great finale to a World Series, you forget that some of the previous games were clunkers. When the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, that Game 7, again, an extra inning Game 7 lost by Cleveland, is one of the classic games of all time. It was a good game until Rajay Davis hit the game-tying home run, and then suddenly it just put it in a completely different stratosphere. The rest of that series was kind of like this. The Indians had some big leads early in some of the games and held on. The Cubs won game two. There was the, the Cubs pulled off to a big lead in game six. There wasn't a lot of great baseball leading up to that game seven. But nobody remembers that because game seven was such a classic. And you'll think about you know, the, the 86 World Series is written about to death. I talked about it just yesterday. Now, game one of that series was a one nothing Red Sox win. The only run was scored on an error by the Mets' second baseman, Tim Tuffle. It's interesting that that World Series began with a game that was highlighted by a ball being going through the legs of the infielder. Mm-hmm. But games two, three, four, and five, eh, game five was okay, but they, they weren't really thrillers. Red Sox jumped up to a lead in some of them. Mets jumped up to a lead in some of them, and they held on. But we think of that World Series as an absolute classic because of what happened in Game 6. So what I'm saying is is that right now this series feels like it's, you know, it, it doesn't have a personality yet. There's obviously not a signature moment of this World Series or a signature hero of this World Series. And yet that could all turn around with one great game later on we know this is going to go five so all we got to do is see the astros and the uh, braves split the next couple of games and we'll know it goes it will go six one of the things is that a world series needs to have that classic moment to have that personality built into it and i'm looking forward to seeing what it is I'm finding myself less and less being worried about the Astros scandal and more just eager to have that moment. You know, the Astros could win the World Series very easily. They're they're three wins away from winning the World Series. Same with the Braves. I'm not so worried about justice for cheaters as I am for my own personal entertainment and to see that big classic moment. Of course, I'm here and I've been... Family's not exactly baseball fans, which makes the postseason a very interesting time for your pal, Sully, because it's not like I'm watching it with my family. A lot of times I'm listening to it. And as I said before, I actually prefer listening to the games rather than watching it. Now, an interesting thing happened. I'm trying to follow the World Series. The game is on. And I'm just trying to listen to it, trying to get into it, trying to see what happens. And uh, my son, Maddie, sat down next to me. Now, I have stopped pretending that Maddie will ever be a big baseball fan, but he knows that I am and he respects that. But he sometimes doesn't understand the concept of, I'm listening to the game and I really want to concentrate on the game. And as I'm sitting there, he said to me, Daddy, I was thinking about something. I'm thinking, yeah, me too. I'm thinking about following the World Series. And he said, I really don't think I should ever believe anything or think anything is true 
without some form of evidence to confirm it, have evidence that doesn't rely on personal belief, but could be independently verified. I think it's best to believe in only things that are concrete and real. And that way you're living in reality. And I'm very proud of my son for having that attitude, for looking at life in that way. And to approach life in a way that you're going to exist and make your decisions and try to live your life based on what's real, not based upon what you want to be real. And I know that he is a skeptic. And a skeptic is not a bad thing. A skeptic is not a cynic. A skeptic is someone who doesn't believe things and doesn't accept things based on what they wish for, what they have faith in, but rather they need to be convinced. As I said, skepticism is a positive thing. Cynicism is not. Unfortunately for a lot of people, they conflate the two. And he started talking to me about the difference between being a skeptic and a cynic. I was very proud of him. I was very proud of the young man that I helped raise. But I can't lie to you. There was one part of me said, hey, uh, do you believe the hard reality that your dad is trying to listen to the World Series? I love that this is your view of life and the world and how to exist in this world and how we interact with other human beings based upon reality, not based upon what you want. But daddy's got the World Series going on here. I'm trying to follow it. And I said to him at one point, because he was trying to demonstrate the examples of people who hold beliefs that are not based upon reality, but rather based upon what they wish or have faith in. And I said, buddy, you can tell me this after the last pitch. And he said, okay. And he walked away. And during the commercial break, he turned and I said, like, do you know what I feel about how we were placed in the universe? And I said, hold that thought, buddy. Hold that thought. Because chances are we'll be in that same place once the game gets started again. That's a surefire bet, I think. And if you're going to make any bets, go to Bet Online. It remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, the postseason of baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest. It's an easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Okay, we're going to do another unsung postseason hero. And this was from October 28th on this day in 1989. And the unsung postseason hero was Todd Burns. Now, let me set the stage for you. I was living in the Bay Area in 1989. And the Bay Area had been wanting to see the A's versus the Giants in the World Series since the A's arrived in the East Bay in 1968. When they finally faced off in 89, they both made the postseason in 1971. And that was a Giants team that still had Willie Mays and Juan Marichal and Gaylord Perry and Willie McCovey. And the A's had Raleigh Fingers and Reggie Jackson and Vita Blue and Catfish Hunter. It would have been the greatest 
Bay Area sports event of all time. As it happened, they didn't face off until 1989. But the when I was there in the Bay Area, let me just tell you something. I was a senior in high school in Palo Alto, and there was palpable excitement for what was going to be called the Bay Bridge Series. Little did any of us know that the Bay Bridge would become a symbol for the 1989 World Series for reasons that nobody wanted. The earthquake hit the region just moments before the first pitch in Game 3. I was at home. I was setting up a videotape for my dad, diehard San Francisco Giant fan, because I knew that he was at work at the time and he wasn't going to be able to see the post uh, the, the pregame ceremonies at Candlestick Park. And I wanted to tape it for him. And I was setting up the VCR when the earthquake hit. And we all know what happened. It's not worth rehashing. But 10 days later, the World Series resumed. And it's funny. The entire region was buzzing about the World Series beforehand. And there was virtually zero enthusiasm for it when it resumed 10 days later. I mean, there there some diehard baseball fans were, but it was the only thing people talked about for, you know, a week leading up to it. And then afterwards, there was a, almost a consensus of they shouldn't even play the games. Now, the series began in Oakland, and Dave Stewart threw a complete game victory in game one. Mike Moore was really good in game two. And when the series crossed the bay to Candlestick, the Giants had their best shot to tie the series. It was Bob Welch versus Storm Davis matchup favored uh, the Giants, you know, Bob Welch and Storm Davis were not their best pitchers, but the earthquake wiped that out. And Dave Stewart came back to pitch game three. And my friend, my friend who's a diehard Giants fan thought it was unfair. They shouldn't be allowed to throw Dave Stewart in game three. Yeah, they, they did. And so game four, the A's were up three games to none. The Giants were blown out in the first three games. In fact, they didn't have a lead in a single inning in any of the three games. And game four, a lot of people didn't even want the series to be rehashed. And game four just seemed like a joyless grind to the inevitable. And the A's hadn't trailed. Ricky Henderson let off the game with a home run. And this just felt like a joyless formality. Don Robinson, caveman, got the start for the Giants. He got shelled. A friend of the old Sully Baseball Daily podcast, Mike Lacoste, came in. He didn't pitch well. By the time it was the sixth, the A's were winning eight to nothing, and it was just embarrassing. But in the sixth, the Giants got off the mat. Kevin Mitchell homered off of Mike Moore, and then suddenly the Giants' bats, who were so potent during that season, just woke up. Moore was out of the game, and suddenly the reliable Oakland bullpen was vulnerable. And then Greg Litton came off the bench at you run homer. Candy Maldonado tripled. Brett Butler doubled. Robbie Thompson singled him home. Suddenly, the tying run was at the plate in the form of Will Clark, who arguably could have won the MVP that year, went to Kevin Mitchell, but Will Clark was tremendous. And suddenly, the idea of a comeback, at least in that game, seemed pretty possible. The A's could blow that 8-0 lead. And Welch and Davis were scheduled to pitch potential game 5 and 6. And suddenly, Giant fans kind of did the math. If they win that, they could beat Welch. They could beat Davis. Could they beat Stewart in game 7? Probably not, but, you know, 
force it to a game seven. Now, Rick Honeycutt got him out of that inning, but Kevin Mitchell came up, and then Tony La Russa decided not to bring in Dennis Eckersley in the seventh, and he turned to Todd Burns. The 25-year-old Todd Burns was a spot starter, reliever. He kind of did anything that LaRusso wanted. And he was asked to stuff out any spark that the Giants may have left. Got the count to two balls and two strikes. And Mitchell hit a deep drive that looked like for a moment was going to clear the wall and tie the game. Instead, Ricky Henderson caught the ball. The rally was stopped. The A's put up an insurance run. Burns came out in the eighth and threw a one-two-three inning. And then, of course, he didn't get the honor to close the World Series out. They handed it to Dennis Eckersley through a scoreless ninth. The A's won the title, and the celebration was somewhat muted. But game four had one lone moment of drama. And if they had won that game, as I said, the Giants had the advantage in pitching for the next two games. That's back when you could have an advantage in pitching. That's back when the series was dictated by the quality of the starting pitchers. The glimmer of hope that the Giants had was stopped short, not by the Cy Young contenders like Dave Stewart and Mike Moore, the eventual Cy Young winners like Bob Welch and the Hall of Famers like Dennis Eckersley and All-Stars like Rick Honeycutt. Nope. It made... It was cut short by a jack-of-all-trades who just did what he wanted to do, did anything LaRusso asked him to do, spot, start, relieve, whatever, and he stuffed them out. He didn't get the win. He didn't get the save. I bet you forgot it even happened. But for that reason, Todd Burns is my unsung postseason hero of October 28th. Who will be the unsung hero moving forward? Well, let me just give a little bit of business here. There is no game on Thursday. And even though there's a lot of baseball news, I am going to take a day off from the podcast because I need a little bit of sleep. And these weekday games are starting to get to me a little bit. But also, I'm going to have new podcast episodes after games three, four, and five all over the weekend. So if you want to listen to some new episodes of the podcast while you're doing your chores or doing whatever you're doing over the weekend, I got them set up for you. So if you're looking at your podcatcher, as I'm your first listen, thank you for making your first listen. And by the way, if you make me your first listen, that's great. That's fantastic. But make your second listen, Locked on Prospects with host Aram Lighton. He's a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going to go deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. So it's free and available on all platforms. No show on the 29th, but keep an eye out for us all weekend long. And maybe by then, we're going to see a little personality in this series, and it's going to make a little sense here. Talking about the World Series and talking about why it needs to wake up a little bit, even though we know it's going to go five. This has been Locked On MLB for the 28th day of October 2021. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.